0: Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and before we get into comics this week we have a little bit of news to talk about, and then we're going to be reviewing the pilot of Titans, available exclusively on the DC Universe app. Um, in the world of comics news, the DC solicits were released yesterday, as we're recording this, and uh, a couple little tidbits here, there are some some more one-shots and specials that look kind of fun, but... We won't get into those just yet. We will get into, though, the end of two books. One uh, expected, one unexpected. (laughs) (laughs) Waka waka. Um, The Unexpected, Steve Orlando's New Age of Heroes book, is ending with January's issue number eight. And Suicide Squad is ending with issue number 50, also in January. First, let's talk about Suicide Squad first. I feel like we're going to have less to say about that. But, um, Zach, you didn't seem surprised at all this was ending. We had mentioned that it was announced already that, uh, that, uh, who's right? Rob Williams was leaving the book with number 50, but you seem to think that it ending at 50 isn't all that surprising. Why didn't you think it was going to last long post-Williams?
1: Um, I don't, I, it's, it felt like, um, kind of similar to... Um Diddy, like coming off of Green Lanterns. Or not Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan. Um uh-huh. with that book wrapping at fifty. It se- it seemed intentional that they were like keeping him on it until fifty. And I know we didn't we don't have a book necessarily lined up like we did for um Morrison's the Green Lantern, Green Lantern yeah. yeah. Um but with the rumors like going around that you know, supposedly Bleeding Cool is reporting that Brian Azzarello may be coming onto the book. Um, it seemed like it just made sense in, to me to to end it at 50 and then relaunch it again, rather than to continue on um, like they were doing with, um, with like, uh, Aquaman and Kelly Sue and everything.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit upsetting that if they're going to give these Rebirth writers 50 issues that they did dead Abnett dirty by not giving him 50 of Aquaman. Yeah. Or I'm alone in that. Whatever. Okay, cool. I mean, <laughs> mm. yeah, I kind of agree.
1: Or because, like, okay, so what issue is he going to wrap up on? It'll be, like, 42 40... or
0: 43.
1: Yeah, it would have been nice for him to maybe have, like, one last arc after Drowned Earth to just tie everything up.
0: Yeah, especially because he did such great stuff in that Mira miniseries mm-hmm. that I feel like we're still kind of dealing with the fallout of all of that. It would have been nice to see him give a proper ending to the series. But who knows? Vince, any Suicide Squad thoughts?
2: Um, no, I I hope it's better than last time. <laughs> whatever whatever so, comes next.
0: Yeah. Uh, my theory is that Azarello was going to... Cons- if or as well or some other creator was going to follow up with number 51 just from a new creative team but that with James Gunn coming on board to revamp the film that they're going to wait until they get a basic sense of what he's going to do mm-hmm. and then relaunch the series kind of in that vein
2: yeah that that's an interesting thought but it makes me think like how often does DC actually do that you know that's that. Well, that seems like more of a Marvel thing.
0: It absolutely is more of a Marvel thing, but I think that that plays into this. I think that th- them getting a Marvel film creator, like, okay, I-, I think if we're being honest about things, oftentimes we agree that Marvel just trounces DC when it comes to like live action adaptations, mm-hmm. and I think that DC knows that. I think getting James Gunn. Is in DC's mind the the panacea that's gonna it's gonna fix their entire movie slate? It's like when they got Joss Whedon, exactly the exact same thing as when they got Joss Whedon. Uh, but I think that they're going that because Suicide Squad in its current incarnation is so reflective of the team from the film that they they needed to give it a reset anyway. And if they're gonna give it a reset, they might as well give it a reset that ties in. Mm-hmm. Um, I also could be convinced that Azarella was planning on doing it and is in the doghouse because of Batman damned. <laughs> oh my gosh!
2: He was he was gonna put some dongs in Suicide Squad and.
0: Hey, I will. I will take dongs over uh, Killer Croc fucking puking all the time. <laughs>
2: Killer Croc Remember puking th- on his dog. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Remember that gag that went on for way too long? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's pretty bad that I remember it since I only read, like, the first 12 issues of that series. I want to
0: say the gag was over by that point. Maybe it just
1: stands so, uh, you know, sharply in my memory.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I I think we can all agree that it is much more of a bummer that The Unexpected is, um, is ending with issue number eight yeah um, i think one of you all called
1: this though a few months ago i think to a t one of you said yeah it'll be over after eight issues
0: that sounds like something one of us would have said yeah i'll I'll take credit for that just I, I, for i'll it.
1: give it to you yeah that's fine yep because Thank i you. said no i think this one will keep going and then i killed it
2: <laughs> well it's not that i want it gone either i i, I love it yeah but uh it just seems like one of those books that's too beautiful to keep going on. It's <laughs> almost like Dial H, although I don't like it quite that much. But
1: yeah, it's not quite there. Um, um, maybe with uh, a slightly more consistent art team.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in a text, Zach accused me of being a a, uh, a pedantic <laughs> asshole, essentially, <laughs> uh, for pointing out that because he's he said this was the first New Age of Heroes book to go away, and I pointed out that no. Um, new challengers was downgraded to a mini from an ongoing and that the immortal men wrapped up with number 6. So, it might be pedantic, but uh I thought new challengers
1: don't. was a mini from the beginning or at least it
0: it was not announced as, as a mini. And it I want to say so, I think after... it
1: was solicited as a mini though.
0: Oh, uh, I think I have to I think only an issue 2 was it solicited as a mini, Let's, but All right, wondering. I'm going to check. Look it up, go ahead. What, what are you, you gonna one say month that's not May.
2: Don't bring our DM garbage to the podcast, all right? <laughs> you, hey. I- you messy bitch.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: let's uh, see. I am um, nothing if not a messy yeah, bitch. Yeah, so. it, it was
1: solicited as a mini.
0: Was it? Okay. My bad. But though. you're
1: right. I don't think in its initial announcement that it was, it was billed as a mini. It was like announced in that whole first wave um, and then didn't get talked about for
0: a really long time. Yeah so that that first wave if i if i recall correctly it wasn't even called new age of heroes at that point it was called it was uh, something else it was it,
1: um yeah it was um fuck. dark no
2: yeah n- dark knights
1: uh, no no
2: cuz that was still that was what the the arc was called
1: um damn talk amongst yourselves it was, yourselves. It me, was dark look. something i thought like yeah dark matter dark, dark matter, matter. Dark matter. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly
0: uh but i want to say that like that was pitched as these are ongoing books from stable creative teams featuring the best of dc artists i'm <laughs> yeah. not even joking i feel like exactly. that's literally <laughs> what it was and, and it has been the exact opposite experience right. of that yeah and,
1: and i don't think the unexpected was even in that initial no
0: it wasn't it was no. later yeah so, yeah, this whole line's been a mess. And, like, uh, we we can all guffaw at uh, v. Ken Marion doing most of New Challengers instead of Andy Kubert, but let, let us not forget that Jim Lee did not even do a full issue of The Immortal Men. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Christ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I forget who it was. It might have been one of you guys. It might have been somebody else at Multiversity. Somebody said that when this was all announced, that this looked like the new version of the 90s event Bloodlines, mm. and how Hitman came out of that, and how there was like, you know, how whenever these initiatives happen, there's usually one character that survives. And it's amazing how prescient that is because I- I'm actually going to say that there are going to be three characters that are going to survive in the short term, which are Damage, the Silencer, and Sideways. But I think that within five years it will get down to one. I don't know who that one will be. Yeah, sideways. But... He was at Superman Day. Well, he was. You're right. Yeah, i I, yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I should have seen that joke coming a mile away and uh, brace myself for impact. That's our game. Um, yeah, back on our bullshit. But what... <laughs> exactly. But why do you guys think the unexpected isn't going to uh, survive? Like, what's the reason that this book is canceled, whereas let's say Damage lives on?
2: just not a single recognizable character and 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 you know for for guys like us that doesn't matter you know but for for a wider audience it definitely does and it's unfortunate but
1: well couldn't you say the rest about all the other books though
3: mm.
0: i mean i i think to put words in vince's mouth here but uh gabagool packers no uh <laughs> that um there's you can hang your hat on the title character of any of those books okay i see what you're saying you know versus the unexpected there's not there's not first of all that's not a character's name Uh, yeah that's not a team name that's you know it's just it's yeah it's It's not uh... it's not even an easily recognizable
2: marvel pastiche even though you could probably think of one but like you know what i'm saying like Yeah, yeah. yeah you look at damage and you go
0: ah it's the hulk yeah, I want re- to read that. It's the a- Hulk plus Captain America.
2: Right. I'll, I'll read that book from DC, you know, but, like, The Unexpected, for better or for worse, uh, the average person can't look at any of those covers and go, I know what this is, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I, I wish people would be more adventurous in that way, but it's also kind of understandable why they're not. Frankly, I'm amazed we even got this book to begin with. I think that's a that's a... A beautiful fact within itself, but... uh.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I I also think it's a little weird that... How can I say this? Uh, It's a little weird that for a line based around artists, that this book was clearly based around Steve Orlando. And so it was never really... It never felt the same to me, as the other books in the line, because the selling point of almost all those other books, maybe save the terrifics, was um, that this is supposed to be an artist-based thing, come for the Jim Lee art, come for the Tony Daniel art, etc., the John Romita Jr. art, whereas this book was clearly... Marketed as Steve Orlando's comic. I don't even was Carrie no- was Carrie Nord the first artist on it.
1: Well, it was initially billed as like a Ryan Sook thing. I'm then, sorry. Yes, it was. Ryan and then Sook, Carrie yeah. Nord. I don't think it was kind of a similar situation. Ryan Sook didn't finish the first issue. Carrie Nord picked it up and then did the the, the first few issues after that.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Well, anyway, fare the well, the unexpected. Uh, you were the best New Age of Heroes book.
1: Yeah, it looks like we're going to go out with some some really cool Final Crisis stuff, (laughs) though, so there you go. Who knows where that'll go into. Knowing Orlando, he'll probably pick
0: up the threads in some other book. Yeah. (laughs) I do want to say it's interesting now that Orlando is going to be only doing one series at DC, and it is a limited series.
2: No, he's got two. Mm-hmm.
0: What's the other one? Martian Manhunter and...
2: And Electric Warriors.
0: Uh, oh, but that, that's, that's limited. Mini, okay, too, that, yeah. That's, that's many also, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm basically just saying it's, it's odd that a writer of his prominence doesn't have an ongoing series right now. Yeah. Not a criticism on his part at all, but DC should be hiring him to do more.
2: Are we still waiting for a... Are we still waiting for another Justice League book, or am I imagining that?
0: So... Scott Snyder said during your interview with him, Palo, that uh, there's a new book that's going to kind of tie into metal stuff that hasn't been announced yet, but I don't think that's a Justice League book. Okay. And the the fourth book that the, he had teased at, I want to say it was WonderCon, was Batman and the Outsiders.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yep.
0: Yep. I, I still want to see a Justice Foundation book. Yeah. But I I don't think that's ever going to happen.
2: No. They mentioned it in some other book recently.
0: Yeah, it recently came up. um, Was it in Justice League or or was it it in in Wonder Woman? I feel like it was an Orlando joint. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, Speaking of Steve Orlando, we will hear Zach's interview with Steve Orlando at the end of the show this week. I should have asked him
1: about Justice Foundation.
0: Yeah, well.
2: Yeah, you should have. What were you thinking?
0: I don't know. I wasn't (laughs) thinking. I was just in awe of. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, we recorded it literally in the middle of the show floor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The least convenient space for an interview in the history of interviews. And he probably Uh, would have
1: said, "Uh, I can't say anything about that.
0: Yeah. Actually, that's not true. Once. Matt Malikoff interviewed uh, Matt Fraction in front of a garbage can at New York Comic-Con. <laughs> nice. And people were, like, throwing out Burger King cups behind us the whole interview. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least this wasn't that. Um, any other news we need to get to? I'm trying to think. Uh...
1: Damon Lindelof's Watchmen is coming <laughs> best show of 2019 better than the original you heard it here first
0: God. <laughs> uh, we, we, we should, Zach we should probably just announce it now uh, our Patreon only show Zach and Brian watch the Watchmen because uh, Vince will never be a part of our horse shit with this <laughs> So.
2: I'll just be over here watching banana. All right.
3: You guys?
0: <laughs> By the way, this is not throwing shade at anybody. This is a glorious thing. We had somebody um, apply for to be a multiversity writer recently, and their Twitter like profile pic is them in that bucket of <laughs> stuffed animals from New York Comic Con.
1: Man, I wish I had taken a picture in that that <laughs> banana bucket.
0: We really
2: should have. That should have been one of our goofs, Zach. We've, we we really have. fucked
1: up. The line was really long the whole it time. Was.
2: It was. I, I heard that basically you were waiting for a half an hour if you wanted to do that. So. Yeah, uh, that's it. We could I mean, we did,
1: we did sit around in the press lounge for like three hours. I <laughs> wish we could have done it.
3: <laughs> Next
2: year. I would have gotten kicked out immediately for bouncing.
0: <laughs> oh, oh. I have no idea what that is, but I'm kind of intrigued by it. Bananya? Yeah. Oh, Brian. I watched
1: the first Her- few episodes of the anime when it came out. It's cute. It's Brian, pretty much just cute.
2: They're three minutes long. Just go, go watch one once after the okay. show. It's three minutes. It's brilliant. Will my kids like it? Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. I mean, I, your kids are a little more so sophisticated than the
0: average kids actually. They're they're like they won't enjoy
1: <laughs> it as much as Vince. Yeah. What makes,
0: what makes you say my kids are sophisticated? Did Amelia talk to you about like wine pairings while you were here? Yes, yep. No, okay. they're actually they're actually into like Star Wars and uh
2: and Wonder Woman and they're and they're fairly young. As more than just like It seems like like at, at least your daughter is into it more than just like uh you know oof uh lasers you know you know what i mean yeah sure yeah yeah
1: so the reason that i'm into it
2: yeah exactly and and the reason i'm into <laughs> banania
0: is <laughs> the pretty colors <laughs> all right well speaking of pretty colors we're going to talk about the titan's pilot so <laughs> if for some reason you haven't watched it and you don't want three assholes to spoil it for you Pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back. But when you come back, strap in, because we're going to have a fun conversation about this show. So you don't um, know that. <laughs> oh, I have, I have some, I have some thoughts on this. Um, so I, I want to start the conversation, but I'm going to quickly turn it over to you guys. So it took me three times to get through this episode. Because twice I fell asleep during it. (laughs) Now, granted, I am an old man. And one time I started watching it like at midnight. And it was probably too late to watch a show. And then the other time I watched it after being in a car all day, driving back from Cape Cod after Multiversity founder Matthew Malikoff's wedding. So I was tired both times. But I fell asleep in the exact same spot both times. And we'll get into that in a minute. But So I, I was not super even even the parts of the show that I didn't hate or that I dare say liked I feel like nothing about the show excited me at all and I found it to be a very sort of uh I fell asleep twice during it. that's the best way I could put it um you fell asleep just talking right now yeah I did because <laughs> did. it because it because the show is in a lot of ways really boring um let's we'll to that in a minute, Vince? I I think you're going to wind up being the most positive of the three of us based based on our DM bullshit, as you called it or whatever. Um, So what was your initial thought about the show? Well, I didn't fall asleep during it, um,
2: but I did a whole pile of cocaine before I watched it. So no, I didn't. Um, uh, I do think you're right. I think it's boring um, for sure. I think there's a couple moments where it attempts to do action. I think that the there's a Robin fight maybe 15 minutes in. It's kind of the one that everybody knows because it was in the trailer, right? Yeah. Um, the fuck Batman scene. The fuck Batman scene. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of drab colors. It's a lot of walking around and brooding. And I I went in honestly trying to find bits and pieces that I could be positive about because, to be honest, the the trailer, the premise, everything that we've heard and seen about this show before it came out was just repellent to me, right? And I didn't want to come to this show and just rag on it the same way that everybody else is and... Uh, you know, the same way you would expect me to, you know, based on past experiences and the type of taste that I have, right? And I have to say, I found very little uh, that I could come to the show and, and talk about positively. Uh, there's there's very little redeeming about this show at this point, and we're only one episode in. I'm told that the next episode is better, you know, if you, if you kind of read the discourse out there, but, like, isn't that the case? Isn't that is what it they always? Out? No, not no, not yet. Oh, Friday it's Friday. But okay. like critics, critics got I believe the first two or three episodes. Mm, okay, okay. Um, but isn't that what's said about like every show? Ah, oh, the pilot. Yeah. Yeah, the pilot is the pilot. But you know, you got the next episode's better. Uh
0: maybe. But
1: uh, no one ever said that about Damon Lindelof's Lost. Oh Jesus what?
0: Christ! <laughs> um, yeah. Have you watched the trailer for the second episode? No. It has like a line that I could have written. I it, it's it, essentially there's a there's a part where they're talking to Raven, and she says, "And you guys are both going to complete the line here." Sometimes when I let the darkness out, it feels sandwiches. <laughs> it feels It <laughs> feels good. Yeah, it feels banana. It feels good. It like, it's just it it's,
2: feels it's... good. Yeah. Wait a minute, that's fucked up. That's twisted. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's also like the most expected thing to ever be yeah. said, you know? It's uh, uh um, but anyway, so Zach, what did you think of the show?
1: Oh, well, I did watch it all in one setting. Um, uh, <laughs> uh um, I tried to take some notes, um, but only ended up making about halfway through the episode because then I got really bored. Um, <laughs> But all of my notes were in the form of, um, oh, no, didn't my notes not get saved? Oh, no, they were so good. Let me see. <laughs> Just read your read your uh, uh, yeah, strongly notes,
2: worded texts to us about my this My notes
1: show. didn't get saved, and they were great because they were all in the form of uh, love to dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, Irony boy. But I didn't so, say them, man uh,
0: okay, well, can i can I say a couple of things that I actually thought weren't terrible?
2: Yeah, that's kind of where I was going.
0: go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I think if you take that Robin fight sequence out of the show, they don't do Dick Grayson too badly. no, that's that fight sequence makes absolutely no sense in the context of everything else, right? Right, because his speech about like why he had to leave Gotham and leave Batman all of that can can track with the character that that all makes enough sense. It doesn't track with Batman's character but no, it doesn't but but with in terms of like that is how i I would see Dick Grayson possibly relating to that situation. Yes, I think he handles Raven in a way that is relatively fair um you know. He he is a noted Luddite. To him having a record player in his apartment, sure, I can dig that. Um, I don't think they did Dick Grayson too badly, aside from that fight sequence and the sort of just the just the sheer brutality of it.
1: What about uh, how clearly obvious it is that he is Robin? <laughs> oh, I mean, like <laughs> no question. Like, say, Moody just... cop from Gotham appears. Yeah. D- Robin I... appears. There were there were a number of I again if I had my notes I could be yeah. uh, much more detailed. But there were numerous times when I was like, okay, you're especially when he was talking to his partner. I think later yes, in the episode, yeah. it was like, you're not even hiding it.
0: My partner was a hero to some, a dark knight, if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: There was a scene there was a scene where
2: like the chief at the at the um police precinct or whatever was saying something about, you know, Robin being here or like cracking on Batman or something and mm-hmm. Dick like his head like popped up behind every- him. Oh? <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he basically had his hand up to his ear, you know? Like, right, yeah.
0: Nobody look at me right now. I'm very. Did best- someone say Robin? I don't know who that is. You know, <laughs> fuck oh, that man. guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I think overall, they got the broad strokes of Dick Grayson correct. Um, I will also say that I think they did about as good of a job. As they could, introducing Beast Boy in that very short tag at the end. Yes, like he that have been was getting a stretchy piece of pizza. But other than that, yes, yes, agreed. Uh, you know, but just like stealing a video game, the, sure that that works out well. I didn't even hate the the way that Raven herself is portrayed that much. I feel like the confused kid thing. It's hard to play that in, in with any sort of real nuance, but but for the story they're trying to tell, I thought that Raven was fine
3: mm-hmm.
0: herself. Almost everything surrounding her sucked ass, but herself, I thought it was it was okay. It wasn't terrible. Uh, any objections to to my Raven comments?
2: No, I think. Um... Poor uh Sherilyn Fenn got like the most uh thankless and like uh cliche character, I think, to play. Yeah. (laughs) You know? You know, like
1: Oh, man, her thing was creepy. The like compulsive praying at the like at the kitchen table. That gave me the heebie jeebies. That was twisted.
0: (laughs) That's too too real, right? Yeah. (laughs) Can we talk about the worst wig in the history of television that Raven's mom was wearing? Yeah. There is like, no reason, uh, unless her haircut said Marvel Comics shaved into the back of her head, <laughs> I see no reason they couldn't have let that woman just have her natural hair. Uh-huh. Like They gave her this 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 high school production of the Crucible haircut <laughs> and wig that just like for no reason was really ostentatiously fake black and didn't fit her head at all. I don't understand why it was there. Yeah. Um, I will also say, I again, I I watched the the beginning of the episode twice. The second time, the third time I watched it, I started from where I fell asleep. The worst line in the entire episode comes pretty early on from Raven's neighbor. So <laughs> she, she's leaving for school in the morning, and he basically says. Tell that mother of yours, if the screaming keeps continuing, I'm going to call the cops. And then he says, I don't care about your emotional problems. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine anyone ever saying that to a teenager?
1: Yes. No. Every, every anyone in a MAGA
0: hat. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that, we'll, we'll go back. We'll edit and post. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> Good call, Zach. No, that, is, yeah, yep, yep. It, it was just very stilted. That bit of dialogue. Um, <laughs>
2: um,
0: yeah. yeah, I will
2: say kind of tacking on to what you're saying, Brian, I think all of the principal cast, as far as the acting is concerned, did a fine job. And I can imagine all of these people, all these uh, actors and actresses and characters um, in a good show, in a, go- <laughs> in a good show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, even, you know, I, I, there was a lot of like hubbub online about Starfire and how her character has changed, et cetera. And I'm not even talking about just the racist stuff, you know, that, <laughs> that awful people say online, but like, I mean, this is clearly a different take on Starfire as a character, right? Well, kind I mean, of. I, I mean, yeah, I, I
0: get, yeah, yeah. What, what I'll say is this, that in the new 52, she had like no memory of anything. That was like her whole thing. I, I remember this because I wrote my favorite ever sentence on multiversity yes. about this, which was I referred to her in some column as a tabula rasa slash fuck machine yeah. because all she talked about was sex for that first like couple of issues of Red Hood and the Outlaws, yes. and uh, so the whole like memory wipe thing is is a new fifty two ism, which is not great. Um, would you would
1: you say that this adaptation is a uh... Like, the New 52 Titans done right?
0: No. <laughs>
2: I would never say that. You would, you, would have to, you would have to be possibly one of the worst uh, comic book websites on the, on the net to have said something like that. <laughs> um,
0: I did not see which website said that, but I did say somebody said that. I did see somebody said that, yeah.
2: Well, they had uh, 10 reasons why the Titan show is good and 6 reasons <laughs> why we didn't
0: like it that much. Okay, fair enough. Um, our our secret code language is safe. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what we're talking about. <laughs> we're like we're like siblings that invented a language only the three of us understand. Yeah, right. And
2: Greg Matasovic and Paul I. Yeah, uh, and everybody else who <laughs> puts yeah. up with our bullshit. Adam. Exactly. Uh, no. Um, the special effects during the Starfire stuff. They probably blew their whole streaming budget on that, right? Yeah. Like, th- that was actually legitimately good-looking,
0: I thought. Yep. Can-, can we disagree, though, in general, that the Starfire stuff is fucking insufferable? I didn't think it was that. I, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, I maybe think that's that's it's where the I fell most interesting part, maybe. Oh, no, that's where I fell asleep both
1: times.
2: Okay, but I, okay, okay, okay. I knew that this was going to be the part that we would... Like, remember when I was texting you and I said... I, I think I've got, like, a couple nicer things.
0: Leave our DM bullshit off the show, Vince. Yeah.
2: <laughs> sorry. No, I'm just using it for context because, like, I knew yep. that this was going to be the point of contention. And I think you're right. When that scene, the, the, like, first Starfire scene, or, like, the first part of it anyway, it's it's very boring, generic, uh, like, mobsters-in-a-club nonsense And I can see... I loved you. We had the thing. Yeah, exactly. I can see you immediately, like, going, ah, this is is generic bullshit and tuning out. But I think by the end, that part actually won me over a little bit. Um, Right up to her murdering
0: five guys and then, like, smiling about it. Well, she murdered somebody earlier in the episode, too.
1: Everyone had to kill someone in this episode. The...
2: Literally, the Titans kill more people in this episode than the villains of yeah. Titans so
0: far. Only nope. Beast Boy didn't kill somebody. And yeah. he still had to break the law. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> he killed uh, one of the poor rock star developers that just got laid off. A <laughs> <after laughs> hundred hours on Red Dead
1: Redemption. <laughs> well played, so Oh,
0: sir. good. I have good, no reason good. to laugh. Um. So okay. So I'll get more into Starfire later. Those were the things that I thought weren't terrible. Zach, do you have any other stuff that you thought was okay Uh, that we haven't talked about? Before we really dig into what's bad,
1: I'm really trying to think.
0: No, not really. Okay. Uh, and looking over my notes here, I have a couple of things, um, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, Vince, you and I had, had discussed, I, I, I don't know if it was, we discussed someplace, the horrible music choices of the show. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I would've... The worst one by far. So Raven decides that she's leaving her town of wherever and she goes to Detroit. You nailed and she it. Stepped and she steps off the bus, and they're playing Son of a Bitch by... Nathaniel uh, <laughs> was...
2: Ritliff and the Night Sweats.
0: Yes. Which, I I was talking to Walter Richardson, friend of the show, uh, about this today, and I said that I really think their reasoning was, we need a song with curse words in it. Yes. And that was, like, why they used it. Because the song itself has nothing to do with the scene. Absolutely it, nothing. It is, it is such a stretch to even try and figure out like what the optimistic connection would be. Like, well, if you squint hard enough, no, there's nothing there. As I said to Walt, it would have been just as effective if they used Fuck Her Gently by Today's Just <laughs> Day because the, all they cared about was the curse word. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the song whatsoever. Absolutely. No,
2: you nailed it. And I even thought, like, afterwards, I was like, is Nathaniel Ratliff from Detroit or something? Is that the connection? <laughs> yeah. And he's not. But, like,
0: he's if just... that's the case, play Detroit Rock City. Play, <laughs> play something from Motown. <laughs> yeah. Play Kid Rock for fuck's sake, just anything. Well, I Eminem. Have, I have a few more theories.
3: You
2: want to okay. hear them? Sure. And I'm, I'm not. I, I like Nathaniel Ratliff and the and the and the and the, the Night Sweats. I like that album. I like that song. Sure. I'm not begging on them, but yeah, totally inappropriate for the show and the scene on like a thematic level or any level that makes any sense. <laughs> so here are my theories. One. Okay. It is one of Jeff John's favorite songs or something. <laughs> okay. two it was a placeholder song. They put it there. It was not meant to be in the final show. They were like, we're gonna we're gonna find a <laughs> song that fits eventually. and then they just couldn't afford it or forgot about it, right? Um three, the song is probably really cheap, I think, to license the license I think because. It's used in everything. <laughs> it is used in like every TV show. It's used yeah. in that Billy Bob Thornton uh, TV show, uh, the 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 Amazon Prime show, where he plays like the wisecracking. Uh, I don't even know what it is. I know what you're talking. It, about, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's called like dipshit or something like that. I <laughs> and uh, it's probably super cheap. It's on like every commercial, but it's also like two years past its. Prime,
0: right. That's what I was gonna say. Is that like, if this show was made a year and a half ago, they couldn't have afforded it.
2: Yeah, but even even then, it would have been super out of place, right?
0: Oh yeah, it's a it's a terrible choice.
2: Yeah, it's like yeah, right. And then the other the so uh, they played I Feel Love during the Starfire stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Which that song whips ass, right? But again, like. Oh, she's in a a dance club. Let's get the most obvious disco dance song that we can and put it in there,
0: right? Yeah, it was. I I feel like this was like there was an intern in a college who wants to do uh, music supervision for a show, uh-huh. and they gave this guy like his first week of class this show to, to do the music supervision for. And he picked really bad choices, and they just went with it.
2: Yes. So then, can I tell you the 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 like weirdest one of all to me? Sure. Did did you, did you did you recognize the song that was playing during the Beast Boy stuff? Uh no, I didn't. So that there were no words, like none of the lyrics appeared in the episode, but it was literally just the introduction to uh, the Dece- the a song from the Decemberist last album okay um severed it's called and they play like 20 seconds of it when beast boy is transforming and you wouldn't know it's a december song if you weren't a december's fan there's like no way to identify why did they pay for the licensing of that song for that scene when they make it like unidentifiable to anybody other than somebody who knows that album
0: it's bad
1: It's a weird show, but it's it made for its audience.
2: I, I guess, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, um, so so that's about all of the positive stuff I have to say about it. Um, I'm I'm I don't want to like hammer on it too hard because I think like everybody kind of gets why we don't like it. But what what in this day and age I think makes what makes them think that this is the good way to go with the Titans, right? I, that's the part I still don't understand. Like, why, why
0: do a Titan show like this? You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about that because th- there are a couple of sort of um, interesting problems that this show sets up. So this is clearly the lineup of the team is inspired by the Wolfman-Perez Teen Titans, right? It's those four characters first came together in that that run. But you're missing Cyborg, who is as important as any of the other four. But they're not going to put Cyborg in there because Cyborg is now part of the DCEU, which Jeff Johns also is sort of involved with. And so you're not really doing a new Teen Titans thing. But you're hinting at that. Similar to Teen Titans Go! Maybe this is meant to be people who grew up on either the original Teen Titans show or the Teen Titans Go! show. But again, you're missing Cyborg, a major part of both of those things. You know, Next week brings in Hawk and Dove, which I don't think anybody gives a shit about in terms of Teen Titans characters Hawk and Dove. Um, it just, it's a really bizarre mix of characters combined with a really bizarre tone, combined with no discernible, like, reason for the show to exist. I I don't feel like this is a telling, this doesn't feel like a Titans story to me. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know why... Jeff Johns felt that these characters needed to be in this story. Because there's really nothing about these characters that I think is presenting itself just yet as... I don't know. I'm losing my, my own train of thought here. Zach, any thoughts on this? love um, this show right now? I don't know. This is... Again, this is really
1: weird because... <sighs> I've, I don't think I've ever really, other than maybe like a few episodes of Smallville, been a big fan of John's TV stuff. It seems like really disconnected from his comic stuff. But then, that, that's but a good then, point. But then I think I, I want to qualify that even more to be like his pre-New 52 stuff. I feel like the tone of the shows do track a bit more with his like more recent work. And I wonder if like, that's just where he's at or if working in television and film has like shaped his perspective in a new way. He definitely seems way more interested in like extreme violence and grittiness and just kind of, Weirdly unwholesome takes on characters. Does does that track? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, of course, he's not like the sole voice here. Um, who who's the uh, the other guy who's like always on DC TV stuff that's involved I with mean, this?
0: Greg Berlan- Berlanti is that's one of right. the producers. Right. Yeah. I know Vince's favorite Ugh. writer producer, uh, Kevin Goldsman.
3: Oh. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm
2: I'm yakking right now. You're wharfing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, to me, the thing about this show is that not only does it not feel like a Titan story, and it's I don't understand why the Titans are in this story. It doesn't feel like a DC show to me. It doesn't feel like a DC story when you take Batman. Now you can do an, you can do an alternate version of Batman where he, where he kills and like explore what that means. Right. But this is not an alternate version of Batman. This is supposed to be the Titans version of Batman, right?
0: Does Dick ever say that Batman killed? Um, I believe the actor did
2: in a interview I don't remember if Dick did.
1: And I thought I it was like really heavily implied, if not spoken in the episode. But again, I may be carrying in like.
0: I think he said that basically, like, he always solved problems with his fists and he was taking things too far. Now, again, we can all read between the lines uh... there. But I'm sorry to interrupt you, Vince. That was yeah. just where my head went.
2: No, that's fair. And if that's what it turns out to be, then fine. I'm, I'm just going by... I believe the quote from the actor specifically said killing. Mm-hmm. Um, but y- I, Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so I'm just going by that. But... Uh, what was I saying? Oh, it just, like, to take... The thing about DC Comics is that these characters are icons, right? They all have things. You can change things about them. You can do alternate versions of them, but like if you're doing a Titan show and you're launching your streaming uh, service with this, I, one would think that you would want to keep the icons intact and and just to 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 do that to Batman and then base the the direction of your show around that is just a really weird move and it feels limiting too, you know. And I'm I, they could. It could be what you're saying, Brian, that that was a misunderstanding and that's not really what's going on. And then that would be more true to the kind of arc that we've seen Batman go through over his career in the comics,
0: right? I mean, even as as recently as like those cold days. Yeah, absolutely. Issues. Absolutely. And that's that would be fine then. But I feel like... That, I, don't th- I don't think I'm right, by the way. I think no, you're no, right no. about this.
2: Okay, so so I'm going to go with that. And I'm going to say that's a really weird foot to put forward. You know,
1: although um, we'll get to this week's issue of Batman. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't have to save you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. That precedent had already been set.
2: Yeah. Uh, but yes. So I, I guess I just don't like when, when you when you mess with one of the icons, one of the pillars that you kind of build this universe around to me, then the whole show that that soured the whole show from the start, you know, I could deal with like a little bit of Snyder-esque ultra violence, I guess. But like. If it's true that Batman's explicitly killing people, that kind of. I don't care that you're doing that for Grayson's character, it kind of undermines the entire universe to me.
0: It does. Can we talk about that ultra-violence for a second? Um, Specifically, the Dick Grayson, the the Nightwing fight scene. Um, I I feel like that is the scene that perfectly encapsulates why I don't like the show. But I'm sure there's lots of fanboys out there who love that sequence. But specifically, there are two things that Dick does. I feel like his... uh, like breaking of a window and then rub and like dragging the guy's face on the broken <sighs> glass was so really really over the top. And then after that, he pulls that guy out of the car and stomps him in the stomach with both his with his like uh, his bow staff and his foot a number of times. After he's already pretty much given him the information he wants, it's just this really gratuitous, really vengeful Dick Grayson, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Even in the context of the show, it didn't make sense.
2: No, it doesn't. Because even if he's like... Even if he's trying to escape Batman because he's becoming too much like him, as he said, of course. uh, Even if he's struggling with that, then I don't buy... The the, the fuck Batman line, you know? Yes, agreed. it's, It's supposed to be
0: that, like... Well, I'm better than this.
2: Yeah, I'm better than this. Batman's making me do this, but the line reading and the line being in the place that it is does not
0: uh drive that point home. You know, it's also there's also a really weird pause there where before the action starts, the gangsters say, "Where's Batman?" And then there's 3 minutes of him kicking ass, dragging a guy's face across broken glass, and then he says, "Fuck Batman." Yeah. Like it would have made way more sense if "Where's Batman?" Fuck Batman. Then he takes them all out. That's not a good scene, but that makes way more sense than him. It basically like he was thinking of a good line the whole time, and then, <laughs> I got it. Fuck Batman. <laughs> you know. Well, and
2: see, I think what they were going for was that, like, oh, Dick being like, oh, look what I just did. Fuck Batman. He made me do this, but it does not come off that way. It doesn't read that all. way at all. At no. all. It's a it's yeah. a bad scene all around, and I don't think there's any you know, you'd have to completely redo it to fix. There's no, like, just quick fix for it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Zach, I expected you to be more scathing.
1: I mean, uh, it, it really, like, wasn't offensive in most places. I feel like, honestly, the only part that I was just, like, appalled by was the fight scene um the rest of it was just kind of like mediocre mm-hmm. um, see I,
0: I i can't believe you guys aren't harsher on the starfire stuff no, oh, I, I,
1: I, I think it's my favorite part of all of it
0: yeah i, I could not disagree more i think um, i think i
2: think you're right it starts out a little generic and boring by the end i came around i yeah uh,
0: i don't think it's just generic and boring i think it makes no sense like, oh, almost nothing about that sequence made any sense so the, the first like half of her time she is speaking is it russian or is it some other european language and she's speaking it fluently she doesn't know who she is it's her first inst instinct is to go to this other language then all of a sudden halfway through she speaks english and never speaks that language again um
1: I just well, thought that part was the the only thing that like had any kind of intrigue or anything interesting at all because but, but,
0: the but, but, uh, okay keep going Sorry.
1: well but, I mean because everything else is just extremely by the book like, it's 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 all right there there's no but,
0: but wasn't this extremely by the book like um, it, it was but story
1: there, I mean it, it, but that alone like carries some mystery with it.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I also felt that, um, that having like, I don't see how Raven connects to her at all, and I know that that's the point is we're supposed to be intrigued by that, but it just came off as really a weird connection that doesn't feel. First of all, they feel like they're two different shows, and to, to bridge them together there. Just really didn't make any sense to me, um, like at all. I don't know. I hated that part. I that whole sequence. I felt like if you squint hard enough, you see Robin and you see um, Beast Boy and you see Raven. You could you could be Mister Magoo and not <laughs> see Starfire from that performance. <laughs> Mr. Magoo was blind. So,
1: <laughs> well, and, and maybe that's the part that I liked the most about it is that it felt like it, you know, whatever it's doing its own thing rather than this, like weird bastardization that everything else is doing.
0: Oh man. I hated that part so much. I'm, I'm really surprised at, at your guys' general acceptance of that part. Mm. Um, yeah that to me to me that was by far the worst part of the show
1: if hmm. i had to if i had to rank the parts i starfire would be like eh. and then i will lump dick and raven together because they pretty much go together i'd be like eh. and then beast boy would be like uh eh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, we're see, getting dangerously close to the to the Tim Allen rankings see, here. Yes. By the way, see, I'd be for Starfire, I'd be huh?
2: <laughs> yes, and then for for Dick, I'd be like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. and then for uh, Raven, I'd be, Ugh.
0: and then for Beast Boy, I'd be. Eh. <laughs> by the way, we're essentially doing. Tom King's issue of Batman right now. <laughs> ah! <laughs>
2: uh, there's that one scene where Batman goes,
3: ah!
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh,
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I were ranking them, I would say that Starfire is Deborah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm trying to think of other sitcom references to make here. <laughs> and, uh, Holy Dick crap. is Hello, Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't, I don't know if
2: that's good or bad.
0: It's terrible. Well, which of the, which of them is yeah, maybe. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're just making sitcom references.
1: Okay. Which one uh, feels like an Arby's night? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: which one uh Starfire was could this be any less
0: Starfire, right? Yeah. That's Chandler. Yep. I don't remember Chandler's patented catchphrase, that's Chandler, <laughs> after everything he said. He literally punctuated every one of his lines with it. <laughs> you, you don't remember that? That would be in the click hole oral history of <laughs> Friends. That would be the version of Chandler they would say. Yeah. Chandler became well-known for saying, that's Chandler. At <laughs> the end ed- of everything he said. The
2: editors, he wouldn't, <laughs> Matthew Perry wouldn't stop saying it, so they had to uh, literally go and, and edit it out of every time that he said it.
0: Yeah, is what they would say. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Titans blows. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. Are you guys going to watch beyond the one episode I made you watch for the podcast? Uh, how many episodes are there? Too many. Is it is it
1: confirmed yet? If there's thirteen, that's too many. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could maybe do ten. Eight would be great. I know it's not that low, though.
3: <laughs> this, is a, this
2: is a retread of a, a private convo we had on the bus to New Jersey. <laughs> and you're absolutely right, Zach. Yeah. You are right. Eight is the proper amount of episodes of a show, especially a streaming one. Um, I, I solemnly pledge my pledge of online to watch through the Doom Patrol episode. And we'll see what happens from there.
1: Oh, there, there are only nine episodes listed on Wikipedia right now. I don't know what that means.
2: Well, it's already been picked up for a second season, so... The Doom
1: Patrol <laughs> episode is episode five.
2: Okay, Oh, that's very doable. I will watch that. That many, at least. And if you guys don't, I'll report back in my typically uh, charming yet stilted style.
1: Oh, no. This Okay, this says it's going to be 12 episodes.
2: So it's not quite the devil's number.
0: It's not quite. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I'm going to... I'll watch them all, but I'll probably take, like, six months to do so. <laughs> There's only so much you can take it in one sitting.
2: Well, you're not going to be able to participate in the... Uh current ongoing discourse on the discussion part of the DC universe app. So that is true. There's
0: lots of good comments in there. Do I might you guys... as well just quit my job now to watch them all. Oh gosh,
1: <laughs> I, I like how um, Hawk is played by Smallville's
0: Aquaman. <laughs> uh, what if we had to refer to everybody? that was ever on Smallville as just Smallville's blank. Like, Amy Adams is Smallville's, uh... <laughs> like, overeating teenager.
2: Oh, man, I always forget that. I
0: would never forget. I
2: like I like that Dove is played by uh, Lila from Friday Night Lights.
1: Um, and I, I literally... I
2: yeah, yeah, that's it. Bre- Brendan Fraser for the win. Yep. Monkeybone 2, 20, 20, you know, 2020.
0: Vince, I feel like you were watching SNL at this time. Do you remember there was a sketch, I want to say, maybe Dana Carvey was hosting? It was after he left the show, and it was like the ESPYs, so a fake ESPYs sketch, and they showed the same reaction uh of Brendan Fraser laughing like fifteen <laughs> times in the sketch. Yes.
2: Yep, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I just hope that the entirety of his time on Doom <laughs> Patrol is him doing that like laughing reaction.
2: Come on. He's a legitimate actor. He's not a meme. Uh
0: he's he's kind of a meme <laughs> he's too. He's kind of a meme, yeah. Yeah. Alright, well that's our Titans review. It could only get worse from here. No, I'm kidding. I guess that, that that's a question to end on. Is there any way at the end of this season, we look back and we say that wasn't so bad? Mm. I mean, I know like in a you know in a purely hypothetical world that is a possibility, but in terms of what we know what we've seen, is there any do you think there is an outside chance that we could be wrong about the show?
2: No, but I will
0: say that nothing
2: in this show made me think that Doom Patrol can't be maybe okay or good. Like, I don't think this dooms the entire effort going on here. But I do not think
0: Titans will become a good show. I could see Titans becoming a decent show in a future season. Like, I think that the best episodes of Arrow have very little to do with the first season of Arrow. They were just able to grow and adapt into something much more interesting and much better. So maybe that's possible for this show, but I don't think for a show that has already shot its entire first season before all of the fuck Batman backlash began, I can't see how this season can fix itself. Mm Mm-hmm. Zach
1: it'll be interesting because you know you bring up Arrow and I didn't care much for the first few episodes but I ended up you know really enjoying the back half of season one and season two of that show I don't know if I went back and watched it now if I would feel the same way um, I mean I I guess nothing's irredeemable
0: except that Mark Wade comic Which we keep referencing a lot of lately.
1: You're correct. I don't know.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting. To quote the Grateful Dead, what a long, strange trip it will be.
1: Let's end on this. Well, that's a great place to end. I don't want to... No, go for it, Zach. Well, I I thought that this... Quote from John's is a great way to end it. Uh, this is from Wikipedia, sourced uh, from Polygon. John's also felt the series would be, quotations, a little more adult, in quotations, than the television series Riverdale.
2: Hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing the Italian chef kiss.
0: Mwah well we shall return in just a minute with our discussion of some of this week's comics. Stay tuned. Hello podcast listener I'm Kevin
2: I'm Jess
4: and I'm Nick and we are Make Mind Multiversity a monthly podcast discussing all things Marvel comics.
2: Each month we will be discussing Marvel News and looking at some of their major recent comic book or movie releases.
4: We also look at older storylines, character histories and Marvel's place in the overall comics market. We have a variety of perspectives. The recent Marvel fan. The jaded longtime reader. And the reader who's finally digging into Marvel's back catalog after a decade of avoidance. If you want to know what books made me cry this month, what books made me almost cry this month, and what books I wish would make me feel something, check out Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast, the fourth Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcast, or your podcatcher of choice and make mine Marvel. Multiversity. Multiversity.
0: And we are back with our comic reviews for the week. Before we get into the five books we're going to go in-depth on, we're going to do our new lists here. So, the good list this week has Cover and Justice League Dark in it. The okay list has Harley Quinn, Pearl, and Teen Titans. And the bad list has New Challengers, Nightwing, and Sideways. So, that brings us to our five highlighted books, starting with Batman number 57. This is the next piece of the KG Beast arc that has kept all of us on the edge of our seats since it started. (laughs) Um, This is, of course, written by Tom King. It is illustrated by a very unusual pairing of uh, Of creators, but um, but a not an inspired one, I would say uh Tony Daniel and Mark Buckingham were the two artists on it so this this issue has a back and forth um, structure that goes from a uh, a book that is being read to a child. And illustrated as a children's book, and what's happening in the present-day Batman story.
2: Which is illustrated as a New 52 book.
0: Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can, can we not talk about the twist of the children's story yet? Uh, yeah. Can we save that for the end? Sure. Okay. Let's isolate this into two parts. First, let's talk about the the New 52 part the only words spoken for most of this issue are Beast and Batman. And then every fucking page has Batman or KG Beast making some sort of guttural noise. It has to become a joke at some point, right? Like, like, like Tom King has to be laughing at this. Because every panel has one of them is going like,
3: Huh. Mm. Mm.
0: <laughs> it's ah. so it is so unnecessary and so weird i mean it's really it, weird
1: it is kind of do you think he scripted it like that or you yes think that was just like
0: letterer's choice no absolutely he did
1: <laughs> because you're you're right that that would definitely be better as a silent section
0: yeah there's no reason to have them making these noises It's distracting and weird. It is weird. (laughs) So what what if like in the next issue of Batman, every bit of dialogue ended with like a bracketed breathes in? Like you know, that's essentially what this is. It's just it's an it's a noise that is audible that is not part of a script. And so just like, Alfred, have you heard from Dick? (gasps) No, I haven't, Master Bruce. It's like intake of breath at the end of every bit of dialogue. That yeah. makes just as much sense as this does. It fucking sucks.
2: I mean, it's it's a, once again you can see the wheels turning. It's incredibly pretentious. It's it's Tom King doing like an almost silent issue, you know. And there have been plenty of silent issues of comics over the years, right? Many of them are quite good. Yeah. Um, this one, to me, shows very little skill, and I don't just mean that. To, to bag on Tom King because I actually didn't hate this issue the way that I've hated some other Tom King issues in the past. I hate this segment, which takes up half of the issue, um, because I think it's not, there's nothing about that fight that is surprising or exciting or, or, or you know, all the images of usually when you do a, a silent issue, there's some good choreography, right? The choreography is not even good in this thing. It's just them trading blows, right? I, I think and it's,
0: grunts.
3: I
2: yeah, I think it's a really uninter like. There's a way to do this and make it visually interesting. I'm trying to think of the last time. I mean, I remember that one silent issue of Batman and Robin after Damien died. You know, mm-hmm. there have been other issues that. Hell, this week, Damage was not a good comic but it was very action heavy and a lot of the action in that book was at least dynamic to look at and i felt like this was totally just two tanks trading blows and if that was the point it wasn't very interesting to look at
1: i think the only page that i thought did a good job at that that conceptually is Not not the very first page that has like the split between them, but the next page where Batman is walking up to the cabin,
2: the bullet page, the. Yeah,
1: the bullet, the bullet. bullet? Yeah, not the bullets where he's getting just like where the one shot
5: 20 times.
1: Yeah, where he like is, you know, walking up his cape is flowing. That looks good. He reaches for the handle and then just ducks. (laughs) Sure. <laughs> um, which is kind of goofy, but I thought that that page worked well.
2: Yeah, I, I'll give you that. The rest of it was just Tom King and Tony Daniel just fantastically wasting time. Um, yeah, I texted Brian right away. We keep bringing our DM bullshit into this, but I said this comic took me three minutes to read, you know, Which is not, that's not, like, that doesn't necessarily make it bad. But it was the only thing I took from it after my first read of this, you know?
0: Not only that, but I feel like there's a difference between a comic that takes you three minutes to read because you're so excited to get through the plot that you go back later then and, like, marvel at the art and the craft of it and all of that. Yeah. But this you read in three minutes and then you're done with it forever. Because why would you want to watch this? Why would you want to put yourself through this boring-ass fight of grunts again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so the second half of the book is illustrated by Mark Buckingham, and it is a a reading from a, a children's book. And I have a couple of comments about this, but Vince, I got the impression you really liked this, so why don't you start?
2: I uh, really liked it? I don't know. but But here's what i'll say tom king likes to do this type of storytelling from time to time where uh he has a character tell a story or a fable or something and it's supposed to relate that's
1: why he got mark buckingham
2: yeah Ah, i didn't even i didn't even mean to do that i'm a poet and i didn't realize it um but no uh he he does this from time to time, and a lot of the time it comes off as again, pretentious bullshit to me. Um it, I think it's either overly obvious, and I think I think it is it is obvious in this story, but I, I think it's very my other criticism of when Tom King does this is that it doesn't actually line up with the characters that he's using. Like I'm trying to think there was a I like Mr. Miracle a lot, but there was a story where there was this a story about a dog or something that uh, uh, what's his name? Um, again, I can't remember the name of the fucking uh, Stanley, the Stan Lee guy. Yes, how can I not remember that? But anyway, True believer. Yeah, right. He was telling some story about a dog in a rocket ship or space or some shit, and it was just complete BS. And there was supposed to be some profound point at the end, but it really didn't. It didn't it was a tangent you know and it really came off as one this i at least especially if you're using kg beast and batman both in their like tankiest versions of themselves where they're just these like brutal tanks designed to um make ends meet the the by their own uh force of will and their own skewed view of morality on that level, it really worked for me, and I loved the art. Mark Buckingham is great. Um I don't know that I like I you said I really liked it. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was fitting. I liked getting Buckingham in here. Um, I liked the twist ending, which we'll get to.
0: I fucking hate the twist ending
2: uh, <inaudible> i. I mean, it makes no sense. It's a contrivance. Yeah, Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. It's a total contrivance, but I like it as a thematic. So this is going to be me on my bullshit because, like, I'll take that contrivance for the thematic element because in this particular issue, I felt like it was appropriately done. Now, I don't think it's amazing, but upon second reading, I appreciated it more. This is not on the level of those like bane issues I've I absolutely hated of this run, or like the war of jokes and riddles that I just could not stand. Um, there were parts of it that were annoying, but but and I I won't even say that I ended up enjoying this issue, but I just think that like my initial opinion is more harsh than than I think the comic actually deserved.
1: Zach. What is the point of the story? Nothing.
0: (laughs) No, that's not true.
1: Bruce is is very very twisted. He's a twisted boy. All right,
0: so let's let's look underneath the floorboards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. You (laughs) know what to say to get us to get us going. Maybe Uh, Titans was right. Maybe, But, but but let's. Let's just deal with the twist. So it begins with a a father being asked in Russian to read the story again. Papa, read me the story again, and and the father says, like, "All right, one more time." And then it turns out at the end, shocking. No, this isn't KGB and his dad, who we've become invested in over the course of this arc. No, it's Bruce Wayne and his dad talking Russian to each other for no fucking reason that can make any sense whatsoever. And I'll also say this I, I will call bullshit on this fable, too. First of all, there's no way a kid would like this because kids like stories that have points to them, and the fable has absolutely no point to it. And also, it's just it. Oh, this is so fucking bad. I'm sorry. This is the worst issue of Tom King's Batman. You are you are
2: completely wrong, Brian. Well, yeah, one that's 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 KG Beast and his dad in the beginning, and it's Bruce and his dad in the end.
0: Oh, then it's so poorly illustrated. I didn't even realize that. No, it's not.
2: That's clearly a different guy than. Hang on, hang on. It didn't make sense, and your Occam's razor was that they were speaking Russian to one
0: another? <laughs> what the fuck, Salvatore? Because, look, it's... <sighs> okay, I am wrong. I will fully admit I am wrong. In my defense, we see that other the KGB's father for one panel. So forgive me if I don't remember what the fuck he looked like <laughs> at the end of the book, because we see him in one panel. One panel where he could not possibly be Thomas Wayne. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I still fucking hated this. And that actually that actually makes me hate it even more.
2: Oh, God. No, no, no. No, because no, here's no. why. Because here's just, why.
0: You, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Because no. here's why. I am so sick of Tom King telling us that Batman is just like everybody else. But that's one not... One of the things... No. Okay, one of so, the things on, that Tom so King right does... On his, on his best behavior. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's <my> bullshit, Zach.
0: <laughs> uh, no, all throughout this run, it's just Bruce. Tr- it's, it's Tom King showing us that there are other fucked up people just like Bruce. Selena is just like Bruce. KG Beast is just like Bruce. Bane is just like Bruce. And that's fucking lazy and bad writing. And honestly, that makes it worse somehow. Now, wait a minute, though. I think what you say is true about all those other
2: instances, but I think this issue is distinctly different than that. I don't think it's saying that they're the same person. I think it's that they're saying that they read the same fable and they like it for different reasons. Oh my gosh, what's that?
1: Sorry. It was an ad.
0: Oh, <laughs> no. a porno. Ad? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, but Vince, but leaving aside the fable element for a moment, uh, huh. The whole issue is about how KG Beast and and Batman have their own like warped sense of justice, but how it's the same it's just like it's no, the same thing from different perspectives. Yes, it is.
2: It's not though, because Bruce likes this story because he's learning how to be Batman. I mean, that part is contrived and bullshit. And it's contrived that they're both reading the same story. But like, Bruce reads this story and he's he lear- he takes It's building to how he operates as Batman, which is that he's going to be prepared for a situation like this. And KG Beast is the fox in the pit. Completely different Uh, lessons from the same story. No, I don't don't
1: feel like that. I mean, go ahead, Zach. Well, I I mean, I guess that's a, a reading of it.
0: But I thought that's, that's not the reading I took from it at all.
1: I I and see that like, I don't I couldn't even take a discernible reading from it. I guess is my problem.
2: Oh, see that 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 rang so clear to
0: me in a way that Tom
2: King usually isn't.
0: And, and if I wasn't talking about the fable at all, I'm talking about the like the issue itself. Uh-huh. When you see how Batman and KG Beast are fighting. One is going for the lethal kill and one is going for incapacitation. But at the end of the day, the point is that these two guys are the best at what they do, and we're supposed to see them as mirror images of each other. Leaving aside the fable, which is doing the same thing, but you know, but trying to do it in a cuter way. I just hate the idea that Batman and KGB are supposed to be mirror images of each other. Yeah, I,
2: Batman I, I agree. Batman can't I... be the
0: mirror image of every villain he faces, and that's what Tom King is constantly doing. Yes. I agree with you there
2: 100%. But I think that the, I think that the fable – I think that's why I like the fable part of the issue because I feel like it's the one time that Tom King has ever done the clever thing with saying, no, B- Batman Bruce knows this story and he took the different lesson from
0: it. But what, how do you get the idea of Bruce learning to be prepared from this, from this fable? I don't. I don't see that at all. It's. It's that.
2: Yes, because it's. It's that. It's that. He's going to be ready for the foxes in the way that these other animals are not. He's just a kid, you know. But like, knowing what Bruce's character becomes, that's that's exactly how I read it the first time I read it.
5: I, see, that, I that don't this, get that at
2: all. That, that this story is like, you know, this villain setting a trap for all these other animals and and Bruce is not going to turn
0: out that way. But I don't think that the I wouldn't even say that the fox is setting a trap for these other animals necessarily. I mean
2: every every lie he tells is a trap.
0: That's that's what I mean. But again, like to me, to me a fable for a fable to work, you have to see you have to see the folly in one of the characters. There there has to be somebody at fault in there. And the fox doesn't become the bad guy until everything's already gone to shit. It's a poorly constructed fable.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he actually he only tells one lie the entire
0: time. Right. And that's about the the, the organs being his own well and not just yeah. and
2: not just lie, but like, you know, deception with the with the you know sing but, song but like, shit.
0: But like the, the the most famous one of the most famous fables of all time is the fox and the hare, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the tortoise and the hare, rather. Personally. And like and like you know, there's there's a clearly discernible message there, which is that the hare is is foolish in his arrogance, and his arrogance will be his downfall. Like, what is the message of this fable? There is no message. That is like if we're going by a standard textbook definition of what a fable is, there needs to be a moral. Element, there has to be a lesson learned from it. There's no lesson in this. This is Tom King misunderstanding even what a fucking fable is. Oh, I hate this comic so much. This is the like, worst issue of Batman so far. No, it, 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 it's not.
1: It, okay, it yes, it is. It doesn't even end on a. It, exactly. It's it the ends one. on a mystery, like yeah. not even like a, a not a good mystery. Just a. It doesn't even
0: end, really. Yeah, th- this is the worst issue of Batman so far. Oh, jeez. And I said, I hate it even more now that you pointed out how I misread the beginning of it.
1: I, I think really the reading is that Bruce is just pretty twisted. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what you're supposed to take from it.
2: Well, then then I just did this issue better than Tom King did, so...
0: Oh, no doubt. <laughs> no, I, I hate everything about this issue.
2: Okay. No, that's fair. I, like I said, I'm not even sure I liked it. I just... I did. I did like the fable part, kind of. I mean, as as a part, like the whole does not come together.
0: Absolutely not. And, and I was waiting to like the fable because I like again, like the the fable is some Tom King capital B bull capital S shit. But it could have been done well. But it's not even a fucking fable. And that the ending of it is so unsatisfying in every way that even even the the beautiful buckingham art can't save it
2: in soviet russia in soviet russia fable reads you
1: <laughs> oh, this is a r- real russian author that he p- attributes this book to
2: well, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a real fable and you just called it you just called a legend a piece of shit brian how do you feel about that I'm fine with it. I don't give a shit. I'm I'm
1: kidding.
0: (laughs) But I don't know if it's real. I'm trying to see here. I don't know. This also seems like a fable that, or or rather a story, that might make way more sense in its native language, but the translation fucks it all up. (laughs) Like the joke that uh, Joe Pesci's mom tells in Goodfellas. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny here in Italian. Yeah. You know. Uh, Oh, dang. I think it's real. It is real.
1: Gosh. (laughs) Uh, oh, it's real. Now I feel dumb. Don't
2: correct us in the comments. We already figured it out.
1: Yep, it's yeah. real. We're not that dumb. We did our homework. I'm, yet, I'm, I'm
0: that yeah. dumb. We, I'm yeah. that dumb. I missed I miss the fucking different different father in the first panel. I'm <laughs> okay. that
1: dumb. We... <laughs> but even then, okay, so, I mean, that opens up an entirely other, like, a different can of worms here. What of all... You know, all of the fables in all of literature, Tom King picked this one out and decided that this is Bruce's favorite bedtime story and this says something about Bruce.
2: Well, I think he probably did the KG beast part first and then reverse engineered it to Bruce.
1: Well, but still, okay, you could pick like any.
2: Well, it's Russian.
0: (laughs) Even. Even taking, just he's not going to read the freaking Nutcracker. <laughs> Even just take the last page for a second. I don't understand. I don't understand why all of a sudden people have been trying to make Thomas Wayne into a dick. I feel like there's no benefit. Batman doesn't need a good or bad relationship with his parents. All that matters is that they're dead, and Thomas Wayne comes off like a prick in this story. Are you except like Joker. What? Nothing. What What did you say?
5: I said he saw like
2: the fucking joker. <laughs> All that matters is that they're dead.
3: <laughs>
1: oh. Also This is a tangent. Did either of you guys think that the opening part of this fable sounds like the Johnny telling lies videos? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh,
2: oh Brian, now you got to watch Banania and the hottest meme of 2 months ago. <laughs>
1: oh also maybe it's a a little racist too I don't know maybe it's just this translation but
0: (laughs) Uh, we'll talk about this off air (laughs) (laughs) this is just the the fucking worst we don't have to keep going on this one I think we we got it Uh, to quote a friend of mine this is the drizzling shits
1: (laughs) jeez that's grim
0: yeah, it's so fucking bad. Oh
1: God. I need Tom King's analysis of this fable. <laughs> no you don't. No you don't. It's not gonna even
2: sound like a human talking if you try to explain <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> that's my next uh <clears throat> that's on my con bucket list, um just to get Tom King to um to annotate this fable for me.
2: You had your chance. We were five steps away from him.
1: We didn't know yet, though.
2: That's true. We should have just asked him, all right, when's the next time you're going to use a a bullshit parable in a comic (laughs) and explain it to us now? (laughs) We know it's coming.
0: I have to shout out, this gentleman was very nice. His name is Matt also. I met him at Matt Melikov's wedding. He was Matt's best man. And he up to me and he said, you're wrong about Tom King's Batman. And I said, no, I'm not. You are. <laughs> I mean, he's
2: entitled to his wrong opinion. That's fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, did he, did he give any rationale, any
0: defense, anything? Well, so it, it came up because Walter, Emily, and I were all saying how bad Heroes in Crisis, number one, was. And he was defending that as well. Yay. And Matt, had, Matt Malikoff said that it, it was not the best Tom King. And I said, you can say that again. And the guy basically said that he felt he felt that, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he felt that Tom King's Batman was the most nuanced comic out there right now.
1: Okay.
0: We should move on. Yeah, we should move on. <laughs> Before I say something. So let's talk about a comic that Vince is convinced we will into existence (laughs) that the DC (laughs) three cast made this happen by the sheer, by, by some, the secret shit, putting it out there into the universe. And here it is. Uh, this is Green Lanterns 57 written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Mike Perkins. This is, uh, this is not a good comic, but (laughs) one very important thing happened in this comic. Zach, take it away.
1: Uh, your boy Sodom Yat is back.
2: More like so damn hot. Oh, (laughs) he's a sexy boy.
1: That heat vision will get you.
2: Oh man, that part. I oh man, I almost no. I'm not even gonna say it. (laughs) (laughs) Your boy got sprung.
0: (laughs) Oh man when i when I read that I'm reading the comic and I'm scrolling along, and you just kind of see him flanking Hal at one point, and I was like, that can't be and then the next page oh yes, it is I just imagine
2: I imagined you like driving up to next to this comic in a convertible and like <laughs> flipping down your sunglasses a little bit to look yeah. over them, and then when you realized it was him, then you went hog wild
0: yeah, pretty much.
2: Um, um Yeah, Th- I mean that's the uh, that's probably the best thing that's happened in Green Lanterns in 2 years
1: uh, yeah. since Frank Leminski's first appearance. Since yes. yes,
2: that's right. Since the first right. I got to get that
0: slabbed. Thanks for reminding yeah. me. <laughs> Welcome. Um I also like how 18 pages into this book Dan Jergens, remember this was supposed to be a uh a book about Jess and uh <laughs> Simon and gave them like the world's shortest uh Kiss wrap off. up. Yeah. Je- Jessica's basically like I must be going. My my and not home planet needs me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Right. Anywhere else but my home planet needs me. Yeah.
0: And Simon's like
2: cool. Yeah. she died on the way back to her home planet no they don't even acknowledge I was also expecting like see more adventures of of Jessica Cruz in Justice League Odyssey or whatever nothing it doesn't it doesn't even acknowledge like where she's going or that she's going to be in another book
0: yeah Yeah. nor does Simon say I hope I don't die in Heroes in Crisis (laughs)
1: That is a thing that is not said in this comic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it and, would have been the best line of dialogue in the whole <laughs> comic, probably, but, you know.
2: It's also so good. Like, Dan Jurgens is, like, the ultimate bullshit cleanup artist because, like, how else does the issue end? Uh... We can't. We need every power battery back for a bit. Yep, and we and we can't be on Oa anymore because reasons.
0: No, no and... Mogo can't be on Mogo or, anymore.
2: God, I always fucking do that. I'm sorry. Yeah, we can't be on Mogo anymore because reasons, and we secretly he built. Could have, he rebuilt... could have
1: just said he doesn't socialize.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: and we <laughs> very nice, and we secretly rebuilt Oa without telling you because yeah. uh, we need it back. For, for Morrison,
1: <laughs> yeah, we need the normal status quo. Yeah, yes. Let's go uh-huh. there. Yeah. Oh my goodness, this is a comic.
0: Zach, you haven't read the last few months. Were you confused by everything <laughs> happening? No, it all made sense. <laughs> of course, because there's nothing here.
2: The thing <laughs> that made the most—the thing that made the most sense had to be the reappearance of Hank Henshaw, right?
3: Yes.
1: No, I mean, you guys had kind of filled me in on the on the high points last time yeah. with the Phantom Ring and all that stuff. I, I still have no idea who the Eon are. Uh, the other
0: thing that Juergens did in this issue that I feel like probably read the same to you, Zach, as it did to us, but it makes even less sense to us because we've read the last few issues, is how just the villains disappear for no reason at the end. Mm-hmm. There's no storyline. Like, if you're thinking like, oh, maybe they established... That the Eon can like teleport people away. No, none of that. Just like, you know, they're gone. Maybe they'll be back, maybe not. Uh, who knows? Aren't
1: they aren't they they're in like a little cocoon thing, right? Yeah. Are they the same thing as the Ravagers? I think so. I don't know. Um, did you like how uh who who did the art on this issue? Is it um Mike Perkins. Mike Perkins. He did that little homage
0: to um. Bill Cosby? I guess... No. <laughs> to Bill Cosby. Vince, Vince sent me one panel where Jon Stewart <laughs> looks a lot like Bill Cosby. No.
3: He,
0: he looks like he's making a Cosby face. Yeah, he looks like he's doing a Cosby impression.
2: He's he looks like he just and I know that this is I'm not I am in no way endorsing uh, Bill Cosby, obviously. <laughs> but it looks like he's saying and then going
0: (laughs) Zach, do you have a PDF open? Just kidding.
1: Uh, Yeah, I do. My reference wasn't the reference I thought it was. It's worse, but show me yours.
0: Uh, Well, tell us yours while I look for this one.
1: Uh, Okay, so on page... Why don't I have page numbers?
0: Here.
1: This is frustrating. Um, Oh, page 17 of the PDF. Mm -hmm. i think that's right is that the one do you all see um down at the bottom right hand there's just like a small panel of hal with his ring uh yes page 17 yeah Yeah, you see that that is
0: the the rebirth cover
1: the rebirth cover yeah
0: oh but of hal jordan the green lantern core different book than this one
1: (laughs) yes yeah Yes. Yes, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yes, it's the cover to Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps Rebirth.
0: Yeah. No, Zach. If you look on page eight, the bottom right panel of uh, John Stewart.
1: Riveting
3: stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kind of looks more like. Uh, no, I see it. I see it.
2: It's not that he looks like Cosby. It's that he looks like he's making a Cosby face.
1: Yeah, yeah. he looks that, like you he know? like just took a, a a big old shot of Jello pudding pop and <laughs> <Yeah>. just like.
0: <laughs> yeah, this. Uh, it's really incredible how far the Lantern books have fallen. That. They needed to call in Jurgens to clean up this mess at the end. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's talk about the double shot of, um, of tie-ins, preludes, however we're calling them, to uh, Drowned Earth, the new what? Justice League crossover that is uh, Aquaman centric. And uh... (laughs) Vince, Vince, Vince. Sending us inappropriate tweets. No, no, no. No. I'm not going to read it out loud, don't worry. Uh, But yeah. Uh, So, Drowned Earth (laughs) begins here, kind of. So, this is written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by uh, Francis Manipal. Always good to see Manipal art. My question is was it oh i just said so good the, yeah his art's fantastic here my question is why are both of these issues the road to drowned earth isn't this just the start of the story sure seems like it like there's almost nothing that happens here that you could skip and understand what's going to happen in justice league 11
1: or really the drowned earth special
0: which yeah i'm sorry with, yeah yeah, I was—I forgot that came Which, first. Yeah,
1: I guess—I guess they did change the names. Hopefully, it seems like because they were originally solicited as that, you know, like Justice League slash Aquaman, Aquaman slash Justice League nonsense that I hate. Yeah, but but now Snyder's talking about them as Drowned Earth number one and number two, aka titles that make sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, it still doesn't really make sense because it's not part one and part two of the story. Well,
1: but we, we're used to those kind of bookend things. Like, sure. that, that's been a thing. That is an established thing in comics since time immemorial. Yeah. Not but... exactly, but mostly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: I liked when, when uh, Seven Soldiers did it, and it was Seven Soldiers Zero, and then all the issues, and then yes. number one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: I love Seven Soldiers. Yeah.
0: I love Grant Morrison. That's why Sideways is your favorite book.
2: Absolutely.
0: Um, but yeah, weirdness of this being like the road to aside. What do you guys think of these issues?
2: Well, they looked really good. Um, yes, which we already kind of talked about, but like, especially the manipole issue. I mean, Land Medina
0: is no slouch, but like, I was gonna France- say. Uh, the Aquaman issue was written by Dan Abnet, illustrated by Medina. There. Okay, yeah. sorry.
2: And but Francis Manipal's art is on like a whole nother oh man, the colors the colors in it.
0: So good. When oh. when he, when he's coloring himself, his work is so much better. It's the best.
1: Yeah. Um I love uh, Arthur and Diana's like special traveling clothes.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes. Yep. The capes and the cloaks. They look so good. Yep. Firestorm.
2: Heavy yes. heavy firestorm focus on this issue. And I love that they feel like they can just use Firestorm and they don't have to explain it. And you know? Adam
0: Strange. And Adam Strange, yeah. He yep. Yep. Just you know, just just dumping in these auxiliary members. hmm Yep. Jaro was great.
1: Is this Jaro the first appearance the of Jaro or have we seen him already? Well always... I think this is
2: it. Snyder okay. spoiled him for us.
1: That's right. I see, again, I'm mixing up real life and, and the comics. <laughs> it all blurs together. <laughs> um,
2: what, what do you guys think about the premise for the whole event?
1: I love that it's Aliens. I mean, I guess maybe that's kind of a dumb thing, but I think it's a good twist considering it's billed as this big, uh, you know, like ocean event and you assume it's just going to be, you know, sea creatures, ocean gods, and that sort of thing. But then there's like this alien invasion that comes out of nowhere. I, I kind of dug that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought this was fun. I think that this is a. um, I mean, I will say this. I'm a little sick of every Justice League and Avengers event being earth shatteringly catastrophic. We've talked about this in the past, how you can get a little bit burned out on that, especially because, like, in Superman right now, the entire world is in the Phantom Zone. (laughs) And we just came off an event where, like, the entire world is going to be destroyed. Sorry, the entire universe was going to be destroyed by the totality. And now we're getting the entire East Coast like drowned in a minute, the whole world will be drowned by nightfall it It seems very just leaning on the extra apocalyptic stuff, but that said, I thought this handled it pretty well, yeah 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 i
1: I think my goodwill to this book is very high right now, yes, um, the art was terrific. Um, Nothing against, you know, Jimenez and definitely not against um, Jim Chung, but probably the best of the book so far, I would say. I I think this is even, this is much better Manipool than we got in No Justice.
0: This is like peak Manipool. Here's the real question He's solicited, I believe it's three issues of this. Is there any way he does all three issues? Man, no. That'd be a thing. Well, so he's not, he's doing issue. He's doing issue 11 of this. Uh-huh. And then he's doing half of the last issue of the crossover. Right. Oh, yeah, he'll do that. Yes, yeah.
1: I, think, I think so.
0: Yeah. I don't even think he does that.
1: I, thi- I think, well, I could see it. I mean, what else has he been doing lately? I don't know. He's the best, though. I've been flipping through those uh, Detective Comics issues Mm -hmm. that I picked up from you.
0: Yep. So pretty. I forgot how much of that he actually drew. Well, so I had
1: forgotten, and this is a huge tangent, that he and Brian Buculetto were the uh, creative team, like, solely on Detective for. You know, ten or so issues after they left left Flash, and then Tomasi didn't come on until the Bad Gordon stuff. Yeah, which I had forgotten. I thought Tomasi was on there the whole time. Um, Also, I miss Bad Gordon. (laughs) Super heavy, yeah. I miss any time that Batman is someone other than Bruce. (laughs) That's the hill I'll die on. You're right. You're not wrong. Um, although I don't mind full body cast Bruce here in this. this
0: <laughs> no, shit. that's not bad either. <laughs> um, oh. I do want to say that, you know, for all I was just saying, how it's a shame that Dan Abner's not getting to get to number 50 with Aquaman. I do think that more than anything else, his run has made Mira really interesting. And I think this... this this mirror-centric issue was great. I yeah. think he really has a good handle on that character. Yes,
2: absolutely. And uh, uh, not only that, but like she, she legit, he legitimately, legitimately makes her feel like the most powerful person in that book.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah,
2: she's basically holding back this whole thing by herself. Albeit temporarily.
1: Can but... I say that I, I was a little disappointed that she didn't get to like rescue everybody or at least like a few people. Um, in fact, it almost, it almost kind of made me laugh. There's like a panel where like, you know, she, someone says like, you can only, you can only hold this for like so long or whatever, you know, basically like you can, you can't hold this for much longer, and then literally like two pages later, there's the explosion. Yeah, and she gets like knocked unconscious for like half a second, and loses it. I I wish that. I mean, it's fine. It's a comic. It had to t- get to you know from like point A to B in very few number of pages, but it just felt like it undermined the idea just a little bit.
0: Sure. sure I, I could I could see that um, but I really really hope that Mira has a, an amazing role in the DC universe beyond this because it seems like at least for the beginning of it Kelly Sue DeConnick is not going to be using her because Arthur is on an island by himself again and I hope that either she gets a permanent spot in the Justice League or somebody had, had mentioned recently how DC has more than enough female characters to do a either totally female or female heavy Justice League team, and they've never really done that. And how right now there's such a deep stable of folks who could be a part of that. You put Supergirl and Mira and insert any bat female here, and you've got a good core of a team going forward. hmm You're not wrong.
2: Yeah. I wonder if Kelly Sue will do the thing where like mm, I kinda doubt I kinda doubt it if it's being described as like a year one uh, Aquaman year one style story. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of times when characters are lost or whatever or not or not in their regular status quo, um the writer still writes the ancillary characters just off doing their own thing and wondering, you know, everybody should be talking about where, where's Arthur, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I wonder if she'll do any of that or if it will be strictly like an, a Aquaman year one, Arthur finding himself for at least that first story arc.
1: I just want like, uh, meanwhile, Niles called, called their <laughs>
0: pages for Mara. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I agree. But, uh, yeah, this is off to a promising start. And I like how this is one of those events, we've been talking about this a lot lately, how DC's been doing these events that just take place over like six or eight weeks that have a bunch of issues crammed into there. Because I could, I could see an event like this feeling a little bit, to decompress if it was like a six month event if it was one issue a month but in six weeks this will feel lovely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah anything else to say about these very good yep and uh that brings us to our final issue of the week lucifer number one written by dan waters illustrated by max and sebastian fiumara uh, I, I feel like I've been talking too much this episode. Vince, <laughs> talk about this.
2: Um, this was really good. <clears throat> I'm not I'm not a big, like, Lucifer guy. I read a little bit of it back in the day, but none of it really stuck with me. But uh, Dan Waters... I mean, first of all, the, what can you say about the Fiumaras that hasn't already been said? This book is so, like, detailed and weird and gorgeous... And I'm a big sucker for, like, every all the lettering that's, that's in the art is all hand done. I uh-huh. think that that gives this such an authentic feel. The colors are beautiful. Who colored this? Um, uh,
1: McCaig, I think?
2: Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, this, like, beautiful autumnal tones in the art. But the story... Dan Waters has set this up so that I actually give a shit about what's going on, speaking as somebody who's not a big Lucifer fan. Um, the John Decker detective character, um, the stuff with his wife dying uh, it's and kind of, um, yes, oh, man. And the way that that's the the run up to it where they're driving in the car and like the worried look, the worried like glances that he's giving. That's really fleshed out really well. It's not like cheaply done, you know um so i'm I immediately care about this character who's not the principal character of the story. you know he's like the two, he's like the bee it's like the bee story that's going on you know mm-hmm. um and surely they'll intersect but um yeah, man it's uh.
0: It's good, Zach. What say you? Um, I
1: only cared about the John Decker stuff. That is his name, right? Is it John? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I I only really cared about that. Um, if the comic had been all of that, I would have been very in on this. I could not care or get into the Lucifer section.
2: Yeah, that part was definitely more like enigmatic, and 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 it didn't reveal itself as much as the the John Decker stuff, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, it, it was
1: just yeah, it was just very quirky and obtuse, which I am sometimes down for. And the art was very good, especially you know that you you mentioned autumnal, and that section particularly had those you know reds and browns and oranges the color palette is really great. It's just this, the Lucifer, which you mentioned is like the a plot really didn't get interesting at all
0: until the very end of the issue.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The final few pages, whereas the, the B plot with Decker was good throughout was engaging, interesting, you know, emotionally resonant, all of those things.
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how these two stories are going to come together in a satisfying way, but I'm I'm really there for the Decker stuff right now. I I think I maybe enjoyed the Lucifer stuff slightly more than Zack did, but to me the Decker stuff was the heart of the issue, and I hope that I hope that we don't start seeing that already taking a backseat to the Lucifer stuff. Because even though Vince, you did call it the B plot, there's probably more time spent with Decker than with Lucifer, right?
2: Yeah, I guess. I guess you know it's not the B plot of this issue, but you can imagine it as the B plot of of the series. Lu- Lucifer as a series, yeah. Right. Okay. That's yep. fair. Yeah, is more what
0: but, I meant. But yeah, yeah. But no, uh, the few are so great. I wish I could tell offhand who was illustrating which part of the story. But they were both parts looked excellent. Um, I want to say it was maybe Sebastian who was doing the Lucifer stuff, but I'm really not positive.
1: I was, I was gonna say just one in terms of like intersections, I don't, this may be like reading a little bit too much into it, but I did notice that the character who meets Decker at the Gately house. Not, Is it about the lettering? It's yeah, the lettering and the word balloons are the same as one of the characters in the beginning. Mm, yeah. Um.
2: Damn, you're good, Zach.
1: So I don't know if like that's meant to be the same character because then we actually do we see that character at the end and that's Lucifer's son, Caliban. And I yeah don't know if that's the same character when he sees Decker. I'm going back to look again. It could be. he's He's got a put on. I don't know. So maybe that's how they're intersecting. Actually, yeah, yeah I do think that maybe there's that is supposed to be Caliban in both parts. Mm. Maybe.
0: But yeah, overall, a strong first issue. Yeah. All
1: right. So I guess well, okay. No, we still have books of magic left.
0: Yes, Okay. that yeah. is the last of the uh, of the Sandman Universe titles to debut so yeah. far.
2: Which I believe is next week.
0: I think so. Yes. Yeah. Do you have the list up yet, Vince? I do have the list. So what's coming up next week?
2: Action, Batgirl, Batman Beyond, Kings of Fear number three, Books of Magic, The Flash. Detective Comics, Heroes in Crisis 2, The Flash, Heroes in Crisis 2, which I know we're all pumped for, Justice League Odyssey number 2, Old Lady Harley, Scarlet, Raven Daughter of Darkness, which I continue to forget is a book, Hmm. Silencer, Terrifics, Titans, Wonder Woman.
0: All right. That's That's a pretty packed week
3: yeah it's it's a
2: lot lot to read you guys know what comes after that right do we is well the there, there is a no there's a uh, fifth there's a fifth week in october
1: it's sideways annual
2: it's yeah warm. that's one of them
1: there's something bigger there's better. those
2: there's crossovers.
1: No, there's not. Yeah, there
2: is. <laughs> no.
1: Wait, is this
2: Hanna-Barbera crossovers? I believe they're Looney Tunes crossovers this time
0: now. Didn't we just have Looney Tunes crossovers? I
2: thought we just had Hanna-Barbera. Let me, let me check.
0: <laughs> let me check. Hold on. Let me check. I could be totally wrong. Oh,
1: Doom Patrol 12, Zacky Boy. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be a week.
2: Oh, you're right. Um, they are Hanna-Barbera because we did. Yeah, we had Gossamer, which is Looney Tunes. Yeah. So this is, yeah. Yeah. there's Deathstroke Yogi Bear, which is <laughs> well, two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> uh, Green Lantern, Huckleberry Hound.
1: Um, just, is that a uh, Mark Russell joint? It is, right? <laughs> I don't know. Probably, yeah. I think it is. Uh,
2: I don't even know. why We're doing this a week in advance. Night, Nightwing, Magilla, Gorilla,
0: <laughs> Good
2: old Rick and McGilla getting together.
0: <laughs> Superman Topic. Uh, he just goes by Rilla now. Rick and
2: <laughs> Rilla. Oh, jeez. I got to prepare all the voices. I got to remember how all these characters sound.
1: Oh, the Green Lantern one's going to be good. It actually might make it in our top five. Of the year? Of the week, at least. <laughs>
2: Hey, if it's anything like Batman, uh,
1: Elmer Fudd, it could make the top... It's It's Mark Russell, set against the turbulent backdrop of the early 1970s. Green Lantern and Huckleberry Hound joined forces to take a stand on the issues of that era, uh, including Vietnam and the Civil Rights Movement. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that could be good. Well, until then... You can find Zach and I on Twitter. I am at Brian Zinep.
1: Oh yeah, I'm the only other one on Twitter.
0: I'm at Walker Fox.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. If if Check. you need not to there. get
0: if you need to get in touch with Vince, I would recommend hiring a skywriter in the Greater uh, <laughs> Twin Cities area and just get a message to him that way.
2: Yeah, not, something about banana will get my attention. That is true.
0: Yeah. If you want to, if yeah. you want to
2: rap about banana, let's get on. Uh... Let's DM on on what the website he's got, the he's website of
1: Bananya Discord, Discord server. <laughs> yeah, yes. there you go. Thank you. Yes, is there a Bananya Reddit? Hang on. Oh, I'm sure there is. I might be the leaving. Be.
2: I might be leaving the show to spend more time on the banana Reddit. <laughs> there it is, Banana.
1: Is cat banana anime. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Three I'm of my favorite see things.
2: It. I'm
0: in a sea of banana. <laughs> Bananya backpack found at Target. Well. Vince is going to have to add Target to his Walmart sweep that he does every week.
1: Is this your manifesto, Vince? Does anyone else find Banania to be kind of dot, 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 sinister?
4: Good night, folks. Hey, everybody. Matthew from Marveling at the Movies here. Thanks so much for listening to one of the Multiversity Comics Podcast Network's episodes. I just wanted to take a quick minute of your time to tell you about something that the Marveling at the Movies team is doing. This year, we're participating in Extra Life, which is a 24 hour fundraising and gaming marathon to support the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Game Day is November 3rd, and we'll be joining thousands of gamers and dedicating our entire day to playing games and getting donations from friends like you. 100% of the donations are going to our local hospital, the Boston. Austin Children's Hospital. So if you'd like to donate, your donation is tax-deductible and will make miracles happen for families who desperately need them. To donate, you can check out our team page by going to extra-life.org team slash 40263. That's extra-life.org slash team slash 40263. This should bring you to the team home of the cool dudes. And you can follow us on social media all day for links to our live stream where you can watch Matt, Alexis and myself get super annoyed at each other as the insanity of being awake for 24 hours begins to set in. It's going to be a great time. Thanks, and enjoy the show.
1: I'm Zach with Multiversity Comics. I'm here with Steve Orlando. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. What's up? Oh, I'm doing well. Um, so you've got a lot of big projects coming up. Uh, one of the most interesting ones, I think, is Electric Warriors with Travel Foreman. A really out there concept. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about like where this, where this is coming from, how long you've had this idea, and kind of what you want to do with the book?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's coming from... Uh this sort of thought about alternate futures in the DC Universe and what an open palette that gives us, you know? Uh, The the future isn't really set, not solidified until the main story catches up to it, so we thought, let's talk about our vision, uh, Travel and myself, uh, about Jack Kirby's DC Comics future. Let's bridge the gap between the Great Disaster and the Legion of Superheroes and let's do it in a way that is Uh, coincidentally and luckily very welcoming to new readers because everything is all new. If you are a DC reader, there's a lot extra you might take from the lore, but if you're not, you're not weighted down by continuity. These are all new characters that have been living in the DC universe that has been changed a lot by about 7,000 years that you haven't seen since the um, current continuity, since the main storyline. So we look at it as an opportunity for Travel and I to build. Uh, you have all new characters, all new worlds, and uh, when when DC comes to you and says, make up a decade for us, uh, you know, you say yes.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, so I assume you're a pretty big fan of Kirby and Legion 2. Um, how do you like hope to kind of marry those two areas of DC comics that are both really popular but maybe don't get as much attention as some of the, you know, the Batman, Superman, that type of thing?
5: Uh well, you know, I think they get attention because there's a lot of raw creativity in both concepts, but sometimes they're so expansive uh, that people can sort of consider it a barrier to entry. Okay. Uh, thinking things like the fourth world, thinking things like the Legion. Oh, let me just get into this. Oh my God, there's, thir- there's 30 to 40 characters. I instantly have to know. With Electric Warriors, the world's expansive, but we're focusing in uh, on the five specific characters, and specifically two Electric Warriors from Earth. Uh, within the story every planet has one electric warrior representing them in trial by combat earth Uh, for the first time in the history of the Great Compromise, can't decide in a single Electric Warrior because we can't get along with ourselves. Uh, And so we have two. And so a lot of the drama in the book comes from the push and pull between our animal tribes representative, uh, the animals from Commandy, still a big part of the planet, and our human representative. So even though it's a giant world, our entry point characters are so focused and so relatable. Hopefully that's a nice door open for you guys to explore the world. Cool, cool. Okay, so your other big project that I know you're really excited about is Martian Manhunter with Riley Rossmo.
1: Um, I know, so you had mentioned, I think, on Twitter that this was the big project that you've been wanting to do for a really long time. What excites you so much about Martian Manhunter?
5: Uh, John Jones is my favorite DC character, you know, and one of my favorite comic characters in general. The chance to dig deeper into his history, his character, his story, both on Mars as as, as, as Chief Hunter John Jones, on Earth as Detective John Jones... uh, I've never had an opportunity like that. It's a chance for me to show everyone why I love him. And why that is, is his journey. Uh, it's, his, it's, it's a journey that is uh, one of personal struggle. It's one of personal pathos. We are the last survivor of a culture. Whether it's justified or not, you take a lot of responsibility on yourself. Uh, and he does that. And who among us is not guilty of, uh, shall we say, focusing on our negatives and overlooking our our, our personal positives? Uh, his struggle is one to unify the man he is as Detective John Jones and the man he was as Chief Hunter John Jones on Mars. Uh, and and I think that's an incredibly human journey, probably one of the bigger ones as in the DC pantheon. Because, you know, Superman was a baby or a fetus, depending on what year you read. When he left uh, Krypton, he didn't really know that world. Uh, Batman was a child. He couldn't protect his parents uh, and probably shouldn't have had to. But you see some interpretations of him that guilt comes from misplaced responsibility. Uh, John is an adult. He had a family he let down. He had a world he let down in his own mind. Coming to terms with that, finding a way to move forward and be a hero, I think that's an incredibly human journey. It's one I'm very excited to share with you along with Riley starting in December.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so you've had a really, I think, distinct catalog of work at DC. You've kind of taken a lot of characters and sort of made them your own. Um, You recently wrapped up work on Justice League of America and a short run on Wonder Woman um, and carried some through threads through there. I also made a thriller, as that guy said. I did that. Um, are there any threads that you're hoping to carry on through your other books that you are okay to talk about? Any Anything that we might
5: expect to see coming up in your new books? Well, I don't have books that are really set in the mainstream DC universe, okay. so okay. so there is that. But I will say that a lot of what is going to be in Martian Manhunter, we were able to thread it into my story in the Nuclear Winter Special, which is coming out uh, this fall with Brad Walker. Uh, Superman 1 million and Martian Manhunter story that it takes place across two timelines but a lot of the Martian culture reverence in that will then blow up into the Martian Manhunter book so we are starting things a little early it's a beautiful eight-page story my editors Alex Anton, Dave Wilgos both got very emotional reading it so um, that's the DCU story you should be looking at to kick things off with Martian Manhunter. Okay. Okay. Uh, one last
1: question I wanted to ask you: uh, In your recent Wonder Woman run, you brought back the fan favorite character Rustum. What inspired you to bring back Rustum for Wonder Woman?
5: Well, I think a lot of it is what. So the 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 inspiration for Rustum is in the resolution of Rustum, the tragedy of his character as it compares to Diana, because you see that. If he had made different choices, if he hadn't been so nihilistic and jaded at the outset of his journey, he could have been standing side by side with Diana as a peer. He could have become a hero, but the true tragedy of him is his negativity. It is his outlook. And so, and, and a character like Diana, who doesn't give up on people, uh compared with Rustam, someone who has already given up on every person, uh, I think is very, very rich. The true sadness of him to me is that in a different world he and Diana could have been friends. If only had been open to the idea that not everyone is bad from the outset. And, and, and Diana's view is the exact opposite. No one is ever completely bad. So there's no better character really to contrast and tell who Wonder Woman is than someone like Rustam.
1: i like kind of want to go back and catch up on those shows because i saw the stuff for like the elseworlds crossover and i'm like this looks uh-huh. cool but just jump into the elseworlds crossover. no
0: i can't do that zach you don't have the time to go back
1: and watch all those shows sure i do if i watch 10 minutes a day for the rest of my <laughs> life i'll eventually catch <laughs> up